Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. Let's just take a moment and relax. Anything else that's going on, just let it fall by the wayside and just make yourself available to God. He's already there. You don't have to get his attention or remind him who you are or what your circumstances are. He already knows all that and who you truly are as a spirit. You already have confidence that the situation you're in is for your good. We don't know what God is doing in our lives enough to make judgment calls. Whether this is something that we would embrace or run from, and I think that's part of the reason he doesn't share very much about what he's doing in our lives. And I think the other reason is is because His desire for us is that we have confidence in him because we are confident of his love for us. Now, we all have varying experiences with love, with the concept of unconditional love. And so for a great many people, it's hard to think of Loving a loving God as a good thing, that there's not been an experience of unconditional love that's a good thing. So we've transferred unto God, even unto the concept of God, someone or something that's that's judgmental and uh, tyrannical and is sitting around waiting for us to mess up. That anything we need or want has a price tag to it. That our very life has a price tag to it. That it's it's an exchange that we have to, in order to get something from God, we have to do something. We have to earn it or deserve it or be good enough. It. And that when we don't fulfill those requirements, when we do something wrong, when we make a mistake, when we fail in some way, regardless of what he thinks, we perceive that he withholds meeting our needs as a way to whether it's punish us or teach us a lesson or make sure we do better next time. But none of those are a reflection of God's nature, of his true love. And we've talked so often about spending time with him, and it's in those times we 
he makes us able to begin to absorb and receive true love. We, right now, we're, we're experiencing our lives. You are experiencing your life very much through your soul, through your soulical senses, through your mind, through your emotions, through the decisions you make, the choices, how you interact with, with your life. And those are all based on getting your own needs met. And that's, that's what God set you here on this earth to do. So he does not hold it against you. However you feel like you might have missed him or made a mistake so bad in your early years or even yesterday that he'll withhold a promise from you, a promised future, a promised uh, gift or blessing or his own presence. And yet that's not who he is. And when his nature the reality of who he is comes up against what we believe, regardless of how strongly we believe it. One of those is going to have to change. And God isn't going to change. He is unconditional love. What that feels like, is like, what, how we respond to it. We've had very little experience as to the true nature of God. So we have filled in all the missing parts. And this is a lot of places how we get our doctrine. We make up excuses that, you know, he he lets evil abound in order to provide justice. And yet he's already provided 100% judgment and justice through paying for all sin. Justice was meted out. And we were all restored because justice was was meted out. So he's done that part. He's been the great judge. And judged, we are all guilty. We were all born in sin because we were, not because of any action, but because we were born without spirit. And we get reborn and we start fresh. And because at that time we get re-spirited, we are automatically connected to God in our spirit. We become one with him. But our soul doesn't. So it's the processing in our soul. So part of that process is learning what God's idea of love is. I'm not talking about emotionally feeling good. Now sometimes that's involved. But unconditional love is far greater than feeling loved 
or feeling safe or secure or comfortable or even one or even close to God. We have such limited, even even limited vocabulary to describe what God's unconditional love is. So the first thing he does is he gives us a taste of it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And he draws us by his goodness. And yet even describing God as good has nothing but limitations on it because there's no objectivity. Your idea of good, of a good God, is different than my idea of a good God. And yet then we have a good God who is also a God of both the right hand and the left hand, of good and evil. All things were created by him for his purpose. So as we are learning about the abilities that we have, rather than tying how they work or how our learning curve, keep those separate from your relationship with God. Just as when you were in school and you were learning how to add or how to write your name, you didn't associate that with, is God a loving God? What does that mean? It's, it's something you learned how to do, how to hold the pencil, how to write your name, how to ride a bike. These are all normal parts of you functioning as a soul with the body. And then when you became re-spirited, all those needs were met, but you still had the same soul and the same body. And we're embracing the whole idea of we're uh, we're it's an education. It's training. The Bible calls it equipping. To to be active to be engaged in those things, the activities that God has set us here on this earth to do. Most modern people have some idea about driving. Maybe not everybody has a driver's license or a car, but people understand the whole concept of driving. And yet that's not that has no spiritual connotations. It's just a function of something that modern civilizations are involved in, driving and flying, even riding a bike. There's, there's things that we have accepted as part of our level of cultural development and we can look back and go well there didn't used to even be you know cars there wasn't even a bike there wasn't a wheel and oh how far we've come and yet all those are 
very much tied to the natural realm. But then we can draw parallels to the solical realm. And we've to ride a bike, we had to put in effort. We had to accept that there was going to be skinned knees and that we were going to learn, you know, run into things, that there was a, there was a, a trial and error. There was a learning curve. But we accepted that as part of our existence. And so we want to transfer that to what we are learning about our solical abilities, that there's a learning curve. And that at some point in time, you'll look back and you go, okay, you know, I, I put some effort into this ability and now I know how this ability works for me, in me. And just as the same as, as with the bike, you may learn how to ride a bike and never ride a bike again. Or you could, you know, start doing marathons, you know, bike uh, racing. You could do it in the Olympics. You could get such an interest and in, in ability that you're the best bike rider that, that's ever been. We don't know. You don't know. But, but it's an ability you have. You may, not, you may be terrible at bike riding. You may not have any balance at all. But you can still learn how to ride a bike. Again, you may do it, learn once, ride down to the corner and say, okay, I've done this, not interested. And then you go on to something else. And that's what the abilities are. They aren't like something, they aren't mystical. They are not spiritual. They are solical. They are an ability that you have right now that God gave you when you came to this earth. And we get the pleasure, the fun, the enjoyment, the sometimes stress of learning how these abilities work. And God puts us in situations to push our understanding of not only how the abilities work, but of his very own nature, that he can be trusted that he will take care of us, that he will lead us and guide us, that he is the best guidance counselor, that he is the one we can rely on. Now, he'll put people in our way in, in books and conferences and songs and music and other people, all different things to provide whatever it is we're, we're lacking, whether it's information or just encouragement or just uh, uh, a feeling of companionship. But his purpose for us is that we would be one, spirit, soul, and body. And so we can have confidence that we're all working. In other words, you and God, you're, you're both working toward an agreed-upon purpose, that you would be one, one in him, one with him. So the end result is not, what do I do with these abilities? Because God's expectations about those abilities, just as, as bike riding, he's not all that impressed. 
because again, he gave you the bike. He made, he created the bike. He gave you your body, and then you learned how to combine the two: your body and the bike. It's the same way with his, these abilities. He's not impressed that you're getting really good at a certain ability. It's like, oh, great, okay, now, 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 the next thing. What he is impressed about is you. Your abilities aren't what he's after. He's after your you, all of you, your soul. The restoration of your soul. The restoration to the relationship that you, that God created you to have spirit, soul, and body, all one. And your soul is being restored to that oneness with your spirit. The body follows along behind. So as we are learning and embracing the idea of learning about our abilities and, and using them and practicing them and becoming not just familiar with them, but also they're using them where, you know, they're as as same as picking up a pencil to write a letter or, or you know, use your phone. But it's the abilities that you already have are simply, merely tools. And we can make mistakes with tools. We can bash our thumb with a hammer. We can write hurtful words with our pen. So as we learn to use our abilities, there's certainly nothing to say that we're not going to make mistakes with them. They are not perfect. They are not spotless, again, because they're not spiritual. Our abilities are simply an aspect of our soul that God wants us to quit ignoring and embrace. Now, how how do we know how we're doing? We ask God. It's not about how effective we are, how much we affect other people, how much attention we get. It's, remember, he's the one who's going to give you your test, he's going to grade it, and he's the one who's been teaching you to prepare you for your test. And the test is not about other people recognizing those abilities that everyone has. Now, on the same hand, well, on the, on, on the other hand, you are also going to be acknowledged for putting in the effort and the work. Just as we went back to the bicyclist, someone who wants to compete in the Olympics as a bicyclist is going to train on the bicycle. They're going to work out. They're going to worry about their nutrition. Their life is going to be centered around what it takes to compete as a bicyclist. Now, that bicyclist can 
just any day just say, okay, I'm done with this. I'm going to go do something else. And he'll still have all those experiences as a bicyclist, as a world-class bicyclist. But he can go back to never riding a bike again if he so chooses. Because the bicycle is just a tool. It's just an aspect of something. In fact, that very athlete, he would go go decide, oh, I want to be a swimmer now. What he was really enjoying was the competition. So he switches. I'm no longer going to be a competitive bicyclist. I'm going to be a competitive swimmer. Well, that's fine. There's nothing that we want to tie into, okay, this is your gift. You are your gift. Your soul is your gift. God gave you these gifts. And he wants us to value these gifts. Not by, you know, making sure they that you're the best you can be, but by saying thank you and being grateful for them. And then recognizing that even those gifts are not the purpose of your life. Like any gifts, they are extras, not your your main purpose. Your main purpose is to cooperate with God as he restores your soul to the right union with your spirit. We use the example of being in a cell and then finding out that the cell isn't locked. Do you choose to leave or do you choose to stay? You know, come out from among them. Well, change is hard. And we don't know what we don't know. And so many have just lived their lives, whether they're Christian or not, born again or not, have lived their lives in those selves. Let other people make decisions for them, provide for them, take care of them. At least they have a roof over their head. And yet that's not what they were meant for. And they are free, but choosing not to live free. And with these abilities, you have all these abilities. I have all these abilities. And we're, in in a real sense, choosing to remain ignorant. And I love, you know, what Paul says, we are not ignorant of the enemy's devices. And and I'm I'm every time I think of that I, I just can't believe he said that. Of course we're ignorant. He may not be, but the rest of us sure are. And we like it that way. If any of us actually started embracing the abilities that God has already placed us, placed within us, within our soul that we came to this earth with. Think about how your life would change. If you truly had knowledge and wisdom functioning in your life, the ability to heal, to do miracles, to raise the dead, 
what would that change in your life? And yet, that's who you are. You have that in your in your soul already. And that that's whether you're a Christian or not. It's a part of the soul. So what do you and I do with those abilities? We we take it on a day to day basis. And God may give you specific instruction extra instructions, say you're interested in the gift of the ability of healing. And we want to learn, okay, how does that work? Let him just give you ideas. We talked about, you know, speaking health to yourself, life to yourself. If, there, if, you, have a, if you yourself have a physical weakness or, or a pain or challenge, speak life to it and see what else the Lord does through that and see if he brings to you through your own ability that strengthening the healing the lack the release from the pain that you're asking for see how it works figure it out experiment with these abilities and let him set up the circumstances he's got his own level of creativity think about when when Jesus was walking amongst the crowd, and how many people were touching him, and yet he only felt the woman. And he said, virtue came out of me. And there are, his disciples are like, "There, everybody's touching you. And even Peter, when he's walking along all the people, they would bring people out so his shadow would fall on them. And they would be healed. And yet there were other times when both Jesus and the disciples would walk by people and then pick one person to raise up. These are all different ways that the same abilities that were in their soul were expressed. Now, we know that power corrupts, and power cor- absolute power corrupts absolutely. But we can trust that God is going to temper and provide barriers and boundaries as he chooses. Why do we know that? Because he loves us. And part of, we learn the very nature and boundaries of our own soul, our own mind, our own will, our emotions. We find, we come up against wounds in our emotions, in our will, struggling with decisions, struggling with developing good judgment. We go, okay. This isn't fair. I can't accept that this is what you want, God, because it's not fair. So then we encounter God, and he heals us where we need to be healed. He gives us truth, and he draws us to the place that we are reunited, that our soul is reunited with him. So he has a purpose for, for every step we take. But it's 
not against us. It's not a to so we can try harder. And yet he does not want us to be afraid of bringing our body under our soul and our soul under our spirit. There's that, it's a strange discipline because it's not out of the power of our will, but it's out of the power of understanding that the activities we are engaged in are subject and subjected to the restoration of our soul. It's for our good. God alone chooses how he teaches us our abilities. He creates the circumstances. And it's not for the sake of others. If God wants somebody healed, he's going to heal them one way or another. Doesn't need, he doesn't need you for anything. The experiences he takes you through is for, are for you, are for your good. And, yes, we get to be involved in God ministering to others and we get to see his power and authority move and that's great and that's wonderful and it's encouraging but he doesn't need our worship or our glory or our honor everything he's doing in our lives is for us he's already brought us back into his family So we don't need to achieve anything. It's that now that we're in his family, we need to learn to live as his heir, as the next in line, as part of the family. So we can learn where we are believing lies, and he can speak truth, and he heals our wounds. And he breaks us and rebuilds us and restores us. So the more we are tuned to his small voice, the more we see what he's doing and we join him in his purposes. And the more, in a sense, we tune out the cries of the people and our own needs as the determining factor of how we're doing and what direction to go in. Just because you see a need doesn't mean you're the one to fulfill it. So we'll pick it up there next time. Feel free to continue to drop me a line or questions or feedback at diane at org or through Blog Talk Radio. Like I said, we'll be getting back together again the same time next week. Until then, thanks for tuning in. This has been Diane Thomas of Brainers Radio. Have a great night.